Hi there, and welcome to your GG Replay for Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. GG Replay is, of course, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday episode or show where we <laughs> break down the latest in gaming news, hosted by us, the Goodnight Grooves, a place for games and a place for goofs. Uh, of course, we're still workshopping the slogan here, but uh, I, I myself am Paul, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt. How are you doing on this fantabulous Wednesday morning, my friend? I'm doing well. Monday, Wednesday, Friday show, Wednesday episode. episode. Got a little, a little tripped yeah. up there, Paul. You had so many weeks in a row that were that were spot on and perfect. Eventually, it was going to happen. You know what? I started getting a little fancy and changing it up, and now I'm going back to the formula uh, of the of the old school, just saying it the same way every time. And now I'm rusty. I'm rusty <laughs> on that. So, you know, that's how it goes. All right, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, so let's get right into it, because it is darn exciting. All right, so first off, just to remind everyone, corrections, comments, if you come across any necessary corrections in today's episode, please send them to ggreplayshow at gmail.com or head down to the YouTube comments below so we can address them in the next episode. Also, reminder, if you have any comments, you have any opinions, feel free to also email us, leave a comment, leave a rating, leave a review, uh, whatever you got to do. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, all right, let's get right into it. The reviews, Matt, the reviews are in, and boy, oh boy, are there a lot of games that got reviews. Good reviews. A lot of games that got really positive review scores. First off, we have Crisis Remastered Trilogy. Of course, this is our first-person shooter. Crisis, beautiful game uh, in 2006 or whatever when that came out. We've had, obviously, a bunch of games after that. Now we're remastering it. Got a 77 on Open Critic. It is out now. Matt, what do you think of the Crisis Remastered trilogy? Does this tickle your fancy? Do you think, uh, can your PC run Crisis? I don't know, but I was going to say my benchmark is that if my PC can run this remastered trilogy, then I'm not impressed. Because yeah. the whole, the, the, the great part about Crisis is that it's right. just, it looks so amazing to the point where it melts computers. And yeah. without that, I think it's just a pretty typical FPS. I know Crisis 1 had some cool like open areas and was a little bit um innovative in that sense but mm -hmm. as far as the rest of the trilogy i don't know trilogy i don't know if there's i like a lot the trilogy we should we yeah. should use that <laughs> phraseology more often as far as the rest <laughs> of the just gonna drop that as far as the rest of the trilogy i just as uh as, yeah as far as the rest of the trilogy yeah. i don't know if there's a whole lot there to to really warrant a purchase here unless it does look super great but the videos that i saw mm -hmm. of this it looks like a like an outdated game that got some new polish yeah. on it Yep, like a lot of these remasters we're seeing right now, uh, well, games are taking longer to make, and we have these like quadruple games and things like that. The 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 cycle of production is taking forever, so I think a lot of remasters are coming out now uh, as we're kind of waiting for more games to happen. So it's kind of uh, kind of following that suit. All right, let's talk about some interesting indies. We got Inscription here. This is like an escape room deck builder. This game looks pretty wild. Got an 84 on Open Critic. It is out now. Really cool. You're basically, there's like an overworld map sort of where you just kind of like pick. It's almost like, like a world. Like you pick your stage uh, and then you go into it. You got like a creepy skeleton. You're playing cards against him to like survive. Uh, and you have like these weird animal cards. You're blood sacrificing. Uh, Matt, does this seem like something that you would play uh, maybe during this scary month that we have here? Probably only during the scary month, but it looks like it's a yeah. good spooky season kind of game. It looks really unsettling. 
Yeah, but it looks super unique in its gameplay. Like you said, it's got the escape room puzzle aspects. It's got the deck building, uh, rogue roguelite stuff. So there's some interesting stuff going on here. And I, I think the art style is also pretty unique. I haven't seen a lot yeah. of games look like that. It uses darkness um, in different ways to hide characters and stuff like that. So I don't know. It looks interesting, but really creepy. Yeah, it looks really scary uh i like it though i like it I like the it's it's cartoony creepy but uh it definitely seems to get that reminds, it gives me like um undertale vibes a little bit like maybe less goofy that. but like that kind of unsettling mm-hmm. cartoony vibe uh yeah anyway i, I really like it uh, i don't know if i'll sit and play it i've been trying to get into deck builder games uh, of course there's like some deck building aspects in, in games like uh, back for blood that we've been playing but yeah i tried to play slay the spire on your uh, recommendation and i was enjoying it and i probably will get back to it at some point um but i was kind of just doing it while i was watching tv and stuff but we'll see uh how that goes but yeah looks looks like a lot of fun uh all right moving on to something that i probably would have loved as a kid i'll tell you right now the good life is a i guess you'd call it a life sim rpg if life also includes human and animal Got a 58 on Open Critic PU. It is out now. Boy, oh boy. I think the main thing I want to take away from this is that um, I, I don't know. Do you remember this game, Matt? Because I rented this. I was really excited for this game as a dog fan, as a kid. A dog's life. No, but it sound it sounds familiar. So there was this game that came out, I want to say 2005, four, one of those like, PS, you know, just they were making a million games for the PS2. And this was called The Dog's Life. I would say even then it was a double A game. You were, you could play between like three different style of dogs. There was like a big one, like a little one. There was like a poodle or something. You'd run around. It was like a dachshund, I think was pretty exciting for me. Um, anyway, you'd pee on things. You would follow these scent trails. You'd go into scent mode and you could follow the trails. A lot of these mechanics are in a good, the good life when you uh, turn into a dog. Uh, you have like the the scent, poofy smoke clouds of scent trails. You have the peeing on things. You have the running around doing dog activities. That reminds me a ton of like it looks like it's fully pulled from a dog's life. So uh, the good life, a dog's life. I don't know. I feel like I see some. Uh, spe- I, I almost thought maybe it was like a a, re- a return to that game. So something to consider. That's that's my main takeaway. Otherwise, it looks batshit crazy. Uh, Matt, do you think you'll be playing the good life anytime soon? Definitely not. This looks like a really bad GameCube game. Yeah, it does. It just, from what I understand the reviews, they tried to throw just about every single game mechanic into this one game. <laughs> yeah. Even if it wasn't going to make any sense, they're like, no, yep. it has to be in there. Yeah. And they weren't going to, it looks like the kind of game where they put a bunch of stuff in and then you know normally cuts are made and stuff is left yeah. on the on the cutting room floor didn't happen in this one they left everything oh, in yeah 100%. It, it, it looks like a trash heap it looks rough uh so you know sorry to the good life but uh yikes all right the caligula effect jrpg got a 69 nice on open critic out now uh Matt, do you have anything to say about the caligula effect too Looks like your typical turn-based JRPG. That's all I gotta say. Yep. All right. The Rift Breaker. Moving on. <laughs> the Rift Breaker base building survival RPG. 82. 82 on Open Critic. Also a very uh, admirable score. Out now as well. Looks pretty cool. Um, I will say, uh, you know what? To me, it looks a lot like uh, isometric overhead No Man's Sky. 
Mm, Uh, you got the base building you got the mechs you have to like harvest materials the materials have names like carbonium and stuff you see in uh in no man's sky you're on this alien planet you got to survive now there's obviously the twin stick shooter vibe that's very different that you get from being out of the base and the base building um it looks good though the graphics look cool uh the gameplay looks interesting um i'm not the shooter aspects look a little fine uh, and the base building looks a little complicated. All stuff that is a recipe for me not playing it. <laughs> um, Matt, uh, do you have any interest? This looks like something I'll see on Steam a million times on sale and be like, ooh, maybe that looks kind of cool, but I'll never buy it. It's intriguing, but it's it's really not for me. But I will yeah. say I was impressed by the visuals and specifically the mm-hmm. lighting. The lighting mm-hmm. was really impressive. I, I thought it was, you know, if if they could turn this into a uh, behind the back third person action game, then I might be all in. But this is this is just not for me. Maybe we'll save that for a Rift Breaker spinoff series. All right. And a final game. This looks like a ton of fun. A little golf journey. A little puzzle adventure game. 82 on Open Critic. Out now. A lot of 82s today. Matt, you uh, you commented here in the in the show notes. This was your favorite game from the day. What makes this uh, your favorite out of all the games we've looked at today in reviews? Just looks like pure fun. Looks chill, relaxing. You know, with the puzzle aspects, makes you think a little bit, but not too much. You're just hitting a golf ball. Mm-hmm. It looks like a good time. I mean, it looks... It does. Sometimes I just like a really simple little golf game like this. And this looks exactly like the kind of one that I would want to play. And it was made by uh, Platonic, which, you know, they're the team behind the ukulele series. Ukulele. So there's some charm there to that. And I think that that'll show through in this game as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the the graphics are just the right amount of kind of being simple, but also pretty in how simple they mm-hmm, are yeah. they've done a good job with the design there the level design all looks really fun it doesn't look overly janky even though you're like getting trying to get those arc shots and things uh i i think it makes a lot of sense uh as a golf game it looks like a lot of fun uh, as you know uh you know well as as hopefully everyone at home knows matt and i both love a good mini game uh mini golf mini game kind of game so this looks like a lot of fun uh might be something i'll pick up we'll see i don't know it looks like the kind of thing i may never sit down and sink time into but that's not true i I think this would be a good game pass game for me that i'd probably download or again a couple bucks maybe five bucks on steam or something uh i might give this a go in the future mobile this would be good on mobile yeah i think it would be good on mobile like the aiming you have to be careful about how you do it but i think it would be pretty fun for that because it's small stages too which is nice so all right moving into the stories for the day Splinter Cell, Sam Fisher. We all we all love him. I feel like every I feel like for a while when I was growing up, there was a Splinter Cell every year or every or two a year. There was so much Splinter Cell. It was a big well, deal. Now, it was a big deal. And now uh, I never played them. I'll be honest. I played a couple. Like I, I mean, I played them like you know at a friend's house, but I never actually like owned a Splinter Cell and put time into it. Um, well, you know what? We've actually had. Uh, you may have not have noticed if you're a Splinter Cell fan, but there's been about eight years since the last Splinter Cell game. Well, sources are telling Video Game Chronicle, the title has been put into production as a means of winning back fans frustrated by recent efforts to revive the franchise in the mobile and VR space. So they've been in some attempts to get uh, Splinter Cell going back, but uh, nothing so far. So the title has been put back into production. There's been a Splinter Cell game greenlit at Ubisoft. Pretty exciting stuff. Now, the title is in an early... This is a quote uh, from the article. The title's in an early phase of production, the sources said, but there's a small chance it could be announced next year. 
this is pretty exciting because, you know, I mean, obviously Splinter Cell, we've had a long time. They haven't had a Splinter Cell game since 2013, Splinter Cell Blacklist. And it's been eight years, you know, is a long time. I would say, you know, the, the series debuted, the franchise debuted in 2002. Um, that's almost like, I mean, it's almost as long since the beginning of the franchise than since we've had a game. Uh, considering how many games there are in the Splinter Cell franchise, pretty crazy to imagine how many were packed into that, you know, 11-year period and then eight years of nothing, which is pretty wild. Matt, are you excited? Are you a Splinter Cell guy? Does this seem good? And also, uh, flip note, uh, you know, if it's getting announced next year, does that mean it might be coming out 2023? Like, you know, I mean, a lot of these games getting announced lately are coming out maybe six months down the line, something like that. I'm going to say 2024 or 2025, just because they're still saying it's early in the phase. It's in the early phases of production mm -hmm. and potentially won't even be announced next year. Maybe it might be, yep. but yep. I am excited. Like you, I have never really been big into Splinter Cell, but that's a product of me staying away from stealth games when I was younger. Yeah. I was a, I was, you know, the run and gun guy. I didn't want to take the time to, to play a stealth game. I enjoy them much more now. So now yeah, I'd be super pumped to play a Splinter Cell game. Agreed. There are a lot of people who really love this franchise and have been wanting a new Splinter Cell game for so long. So this yeah. is great news, and there's no reason to not trust VG's, VGC's sources. They've been they've had a really good track record so far. So I think mm -hmm. it sounds like this is really going to happen, Paul. And I think a lot of people are excited, but I do think there's also some hesitancy there. People are wondering. Can Ubisoft make a good Splinter Cell game in in the 2020s <laughs> yeah. after it having been so long? You know, I think there are some people who want to kind of just let the franchise die, just let it be because they don't want it to be ruined with a new game that just is not in the same spirit uh, that the franchise once once was. Right. I think they can make it work, though. I think I let I would like to hope that they'll take care of it. Now, here we go. Open world Splinter Cell on horseback. <laughs> You're going around. You have to take all these points. There's side missions. It sounds like a, a winner to me. Yeah, that would be upsetting to some people. Although it it could potentially almost play like uh, Metal Watch Gear Solid Dog. Phantom uh, Phantom mm. Pain in a way. I was gonna say I get like Watch Dogs vibes a little bit from something imagining something like that a little bit, but yeah, like obviously more stealth maybe. But yeah, Phantom Pain. That's a good call too. That that could be. Um, although there's a lot more imagination and creativity in that that I, I can imagine Ubisoft would be able to come up with, but right. Have to see. All right. Well, that's exciting though. We're very excited. Hopefully we get some cool stuff out of that. Moving on, Marcus Leto, co-creator of Halo, joins EA Electronic Arts. He will be game director at a brand new Seattle studio building. First-person shooter games. That makes sense. Uh, the co-creator of Halo. Uh, Leto started in Bungie uh, at Bungie in 1997 and worked on every Halo game from Combat Evolved to Halo Reach, so the original great run we have here from Halo, uh, as creative art director and a senior employee. He most recently served as game director on Disintegration. Uh, do you remember Disintegration? Because I sure don't. A poorly received action FPS that released last year. Matt? Do we think this is exciting? Marcus Leto, co-creator of Halo, joins EA. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, you know, obviously the pedigree here, Halo CE to Halo Reach. This was obviously maybe Disintegration. Maybe it was a studio. Maybe that was some of the issue going on. Um, but if we take that talent and we put it on a new studio with new FPSs, what do we think? 
I do think that's pretty intriguing where EA is just like, let's take the guy who helped make Halo, build an entire brand new studio for him and let him go to work. I think there's something intriguing there. Mm-hmm. I think this could potentially be good. How how much is EA going to have its hands in it? You know, in terms of, you know, as the publisher, are they going to just fill it with microtransactions? Is it going to yeah. ha- be forced into being a live service game? You know, those are concerns, but if you don't think about that, <laughs> then it's <laughs> then it's potentially it's potentially a really intriguing idea. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's a cool idea. Obviously, as a creative art director too, that's a pretty cool uh, role to have. I think that that's something that a lot of FPS games are are missing nowadays. It's like a very specific point. I think Halo is very unique in the way that it's designed, where you very have this distinct. extremely very very distinct uh, and uh, unique kind of you know art art style world building there's the you know the not from right down to master chief's uh, direction and the way he looks uh which probably was like a more modern look at the time but now it's become kind of like this retro modern look which is pretty cool um you know 20 years later uh, i think is really really awesome and i would love to see something more unique in the fps space where we have you know game after game that you know we get call of duties and battlefields and nothing wrong with that but they're going for more of a hyper realism and i'd like to see a bit more uh, artistry in the industry yeah that would be, it would be really interesting to see I'm trying to think right now of one, but to see an FPS that is really hyper-focused on its art over... Obviously, gameplay is super important in an FPS, but I'd like to see an FPS that chooses to go... Chooses to to almost tell a story with its art rather than tell an actual story. Yeah, I totally agree. I was going to say Fortnite, but that's too mass-marketed to really work that way. And like, yeah, like stuff like Apex and other stuff. But ultimately, I think uh, all this stuff isn't as stylized as Halo. Uh, and I think it'll be cool to see that. So hopefully we get something and not something generic. That would be a bummer. Uh, all right. Xbox Game Pass, my favorite, uh, my favorite service. And I think the best deal in video games. Uh, you know what? We have some news from there. Xbox Game Pass subscriptions didn't hit Microsoft's target number. Now, they didn't do badly. This is from Axios. Uh, quote, from the last 12 months or for the 12 months that ended on June 30th, Xbox Game Pass subscriber growth was up 37 percent. 37 percent is it's, that's big. Um But the company had set a 48% growth goal. Uh, In the company's prior fiscal year, which ran from mid-2019 to mid-2020, pandemic time here, uh, Game Pass subs were up 86% which exceeded a target of 71%. So this is pretty big. Uh, the most recent confirmed subscriber count is 18 million, which was from last January. This is before that ex- part, the finishing of that explosion, I think, and then continuing onward. So I would say it's probably fair to say we're probably over 20 million now or, or something of the sort. But this is uh, interesting news. Like clearly Xbox, we've talked about it before, is like betting big on streaming, betting big on Game Pass, betting big on... Uh, you know, a lot of these services they have over just like going and buying a $60 game and being done with it, which is like more so what PlayStation and some of these other competitors are kind of focusing still on. Um, obviously, they have PS Now and PS Plus and things like that. But uh, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting to see like, you know, they exceeded the goal of 71 by, up, you know, 15%, 86% is a wild growth. Um, you know, 37 is a very good year over year growth, especially after an explosion year, especially after people are starting to probably go back to work. Things are changing. We're not having all that time from the pandemic. But obviously, this this is still including, you know, some pandemic numbers. But yeah, 48%, they set themselves a, a bit of a smaller goal. 
uh, than the 71 and still didn't hit. Matt, I mean, do we think this is trouble for Game Pass? Do, do we, do we, do you think, do you have any ideas why we might be seeing less Game Pass subs? Or do you think maybe we've just kind of saturated to the point where it's hard to grow more because we maybe hit that ceiling of the traditional gamers who would, would come in and, and download this and we're really moving out to the casual market now maybe? Yeah, I think part of it is diminishing returns. They did so well the previous year, up 86%. That's insane. And then even Almost get, double. even 37% the next year, adding on top of that. That's that's mm -hmm. amazing. It was it was going to be really hard to get to 48. I think part of the reason why they missed the goal is probably they were banking on Series S doing a little better than it has and that serving yep. as a Game Pass machine for a lot of people. Yep. And clearly that hasn't been the case yet, at least. So yeah. that's that's probably where they missed the mark there. And I assume that next year's projections will probably be a little bit more realistic in that front. And it'll probably be a little closer, uh, if not better. I mean, if, if some of these big Xbox games come out in the next 12 months that they've been talking yeah. about, that's going to help Game Pass. But the problem also is that in the last 12 months, there haven't been first party Xbox games to sell game pass, you know? So yeah. there was like a gears of war at some point, but yeah, I, you know, it's still a good franchise. It's not as big as it once was, but they need yeah. some of these big heavy hitters that they've been talking about for like a year or two now to finally come to game pass. Yeah. I, I think that's a big, big part of it. I think that's fair to say too. I, you're right. That's, that's a great point about series S. I think they really banked on that being the game pass machine. A lot of people just grabbing that for a cheap price, especially cause it's so much easier to get than the series X and, and jumping in and, and grabbing that console that has not been be sold as well as they were thinking it might sell. Uh, potentially, I don't I mean, Obviously we don't have those numbers, but I think that could be um, something to consider. You know, I, I myself considered a series S I ended up getting on uh, like a gaming PC set up and that's, that's a little different. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's that, that's a good point. And I think, you know what else it is? You're right about the first party games. I think a lot of people came into game pass. Um, there are a lot of great games on there, like a back catalog, which is awesome. And there's new stuff coming out all the time. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff I was going to buy forgotten city uh, the other day that's coming to game pass in like a week. Uh, almost every other, like half the games I want to go buy end up on game pass. Uh, it's pretty awesome for me, but I will say um, there's probably a lot of people who went played the back catalog of stuff they really wanted to play, and maybe they've maybe they've unsubbed. Maybe they've said, "Hey, listen, I'm going to wait for some of those big first-party games to come out. Uh, maybe I'll go work on the PS Now backlog for a little bit. Uh, come back. Um, maybe like in your case, Matt, there was a bug, like a fatal bug or something, uh, like you have on your Windows uh, your Windows PC there, where you're trying to play PC Game Pass doesn't work." Uh, and you on sub, which I think is very fair. You know, you're paying for something you can't even play. Uh, you've been having issues with it for a year before that, even when you could maybe half the time play it. Um, I think in that scenario, you know, I don't think you're opposed to ever playing Game Pass again or having a Game Pass sub again. But like, honestly, you know, it's not even really worth the effort right now when like a lot of the big games that would be an Xbox exclusive or a PC exclusive haven't really come out yet. Yeah, um, I would still yeah. have it if it worked, but the Xbox app on PC is broken i mean it, it's it's i think it's still in beta I, I mean it hasn't worked well on my pc since i got game pass like a year and a half ago yeah but now it's just totally broken i can't install games i've tried everything it's yep. just not working out i i feel like i'll have to do a full system restore in order to make it work so yeah i unsubbed for the first time in a year and a half because i simply can't install games so if i can't install the games there's 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 no point so 
I would love to still have it. You know, I, yeah. I really wasn't using it as much as I would want. It, it's almost yeah. like it goes back to that problem where there's too much to, to play. There's too much to choose from. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with Netflix. I can't decide what I want to watch because there's too many options. You know, it's it's weird how we went from this world where th- you had so few options. And, and yeah. as, as a kid, we would play one single player game for yeah. weeks and months just because it's all we had to now you have 100%. everything. You know, it, it's crazy. I think that's my big Game Pass thing, and I'll, one of the last things I'll say here, but one of my big Game Pass points is that I think you still buy a AAA game, like a big AAA game comes out that you've been waiting for, you'll probably buy it like opening weekend or, or like or like launch day and, and jump on that. I'm Unless I really, really, really want that game, I usually don't buy new games day of or even like, you know, around that time. So my game setup is more around like, oh, okay, I want something new to play uh, or I want something to feel like maybe that game I've been getting hyped for. Let me go see what they have on Game Pass and I'll go work through the catalog. So that I think for me, that selling feature of Game Pass is even more powerful because I'm just not interested right now in, in spending like the $60 and getting into the new games. Um, but for someone like you who's who's going to go out and buy those games anyway, it becomes a little hard because you're already playing. You only have so much time and you're playing through like Far Cry 6 or playing through Ghost of Tsushima or playing through something uh, that's, that already takes like 100 hours or 50 hours or whatever. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, okay, well, also I have like, a, you know, a thousand games on Game Pass and there's probably some good ones, but like, I just, when am I going to play them? It's like having a massive Steam uh, library, right? It's, and But there's only like, you're only playing the newest games. What, what are you going to do? When are you going to get to them? So, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I hope Game Pass, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to have any issues with uh, with that. Microsoft's a huge company. Um, I think, like you said, that's the fix. Um, Halo's coming out December 8th. Campaign's coming out. Campaign will be day one on Game Pass. Uh, right now, you know, the only value of the campaign, I'm really interested in seeing that, $60 for the Halo campaign, just the campaign. The multiplayer's free, Forge is free. Uh, I'm very interested to see how many people actually pay $60 for the campaign when you could get one month of Game Pass. Right. Uh, play the campaign and then and then on sub, and there you go. That was You played the campaign for like 12 bucks. That's very, that's an interesting uh, point there. So I, but, but, you know, we have Redfall, we have lots of uh, Bethesda things coming out in the next couple of years, Starfield. Um, so we'll have to see um, if that's going to affect things. I have to imagine that we're going to see Game Pass. Game Pass is not slowing down. They're slowing down maybe for now, um, but I think they're going to, they're going to pick back up. And th- this is a discussion for another time, but I, I do mm-hmm. wonder what the end game is for Game Pass, because whatever it is, I don't think we have any idea what that is right now mm-hmm. because Game Pass in its current form, it's I don't know if it can ever become profitable. Yeah, absolutely. Not. So I don't know. At some point, they're going to want some sort of return, even if, even if it's not until five, six, seven years from now. At some point, they're going to want a return on it. What does that look like? Does that mean Game Pass is eventually on on a PlayStation or a Switch? I mean, or on TVs like we've been talking about? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, at some point, the game for Game Pass is going to have to shift, and there's going to be some big announcement, and we'll have to see. Yeah, but but we never know. If it's five, six years, something like that, gaming could change in that time, too. And I think that's something that Microsoft is banking on. Maybe they won't have to deal with that awkward thing where they raise the price or they change the, the model because maybe gaming will change to their favor in that point anyway. So we'll have to see, but interesting to see. Game Pass is always very interesting to talk about. Um, did I say interesting enough times? All right, moving on. <laughs> Let's keep talking about Xbox. Phil Spencer said that Xbox has no interest in VR. 
at Wall Street Journal's Tech Live event. So we're talking about Xbox here. We're also talking about how games are going to change in their favor. Well, one thing that they're not looking to change to is VR. Phil says they're focused on the software side of things right now. Quote, I think that the hardware innovation that's happening is great and it's an important enabler. But right now I'm deciding to stay more in the software side of that enablement. I believe it will be, it will scale better in the long run. So, you know, obviously, I mean, I said it's software. VR is also hardware and it's a big part of how VR works, of course. Um, but, you know, you could develop software and things for VR. Um, but yeah, that's not clearly what Xbox is looking to do. I, I think that's interesting. Um, I, I don't think it's a huge shock. Um, I think some people are probably disappointed, just hoping that maybe up their sleeve secretly Xbox has been planning something. We saw PSVR. Um, Nintendo doesn't have VR, but of course they have like Labo and stuff, some AR, some augmented reality stuff. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, we had Connect, which was kind of an AR thing, uh, but that, that's been shelved since the beginning of Xbox One, really, when, like, you know, halfway through the development of Xbox One. Uh, so I think at this point, it doesn't come as a huge shock that Xbox is just looking at going, it's so funny, they're looking at going, like, traditional gaming gameplay, you know, with, like, a, a gamepad or a, or a mouse and keyboard, which is kind of funny because they're going very non-traditional in how they're, like, serving games up, you know, like, their, their way of, a lot of their systems here are very out-of-the-box thinking, um, but they're sticking to very traditional gameplay styles. Um, Matt, do you, you know, would you play, you know, an Xbox, I mean, you know, I know you have an next-gen Xbox, you have a PS5, but would that encourage you or maybe make you think about getting a Series X if they had like a really state-of-the-art VR setup? Um, you know, is this something you're disappointed uh, to see from Microsoft? Do you think this is a big miss? I I wouldn't say I'm disappointed because I think PlayStation does VR really well for, for console VR. And I think it would be hard to jump in now and challenge them considering they ha they've already put so much effort into it. And are continuing to we we know that a, a next version of psvr for ps5 is coming at some point i think this tracks i think this really just shows that microsoft is not interested in hardware and eventually they the i think their end goal is to eventually just be out of hardware and you know whether that means you're putting a dongle into your laptop or your pc or your tv or mm -hmm. whatever and instead of an Xbox, you are running Game Pass through a little dongle or something like that. Or even if it's a native app on future TVs or or on if it's a native app on Windows 12 or whatever. I think that this just makes it clear that they're not interested in necessarily innovating uh, in the hardware sense of things. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I was going to say that's something that uh, jumps out to me when I look at like the cell phone space too and the consumer tech space. Um, you see that with Microsoft themselves, but you see that with like like that's a big thing for Google, right? They 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 did their Nexus line of like cell phones, and then also like even the Pixel line, which cons consistently doesn't sell, doesn't sell uh, properly because a big push for them was like showing off what how powerful Android can be and showing off how it's supposed to look. Um, and now Microsoft has kind of taken that on themselves too with the Surface line of products right. they're showing like how windows should look how the windows should work what you could it's kind of like a blueprint for oems right to show them what they kind of thing they can build and the same thing with their new surface duo uh android foam with like running windows stuff showing how that works again it's kind of like a blueprint product not necessarily a product to 
sell, to make a lot of money on. And I think that is something that maybe Xbox is kind of reverse going for. Initially, they started out as hardware. I mean, hard, I mean, hardware was a big part of that. But I feel like now the Xbox experience, putting that on PC, putting, and obviously it's a little borked on PC, it's a little messy, but putting that on PC, having that run concurrently on PC, having that running on cloud, having that running on mobile, having that running on your hardware, your, your Xbox console, I think that's moving more into the idea of software and thinking of Xbox as a launch uh, pad or, 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 a, or a gateway to games, but less so a physical piece. Uh, so I think that they may either go in the opposite direction of the of the typical, you know, showing everyone how it should work uh, and really going like, okay, we already showed, we did the hardware, hardware was great. Now we want to go back to where we just like make the, make the software and make it clean. And you guys, you guys make the hardware, you guys make the dongles or you guys make the whatever, you make the smart TV and just put the Xbox app on it. And we promise the Xbox app will kick ass. Like, I feel like that's kind of the move here. I won't be surprised if sometime in the future, we start seeing Xbox games coming to other consoles, whether that's like a Switch cloud version type thing or even just coming to PS5 because they do want, they want to sell software. You're going to sell more copies of the game. When they get to a point where selling the hardware doesn't matter anymore, and this might not be until the next generation, they'll start putting the games on other consoles because they're not worried about selling boxes. They're worried about selling games and software. Yeah, but the only way I can imagine them doing that though is like putting it through like an Epic Game Store style thing where they're like, "Hey, you can get a PS5, but you have to get the Epic, the Xbox Game Store on it, and then like run your your Xbox games or something." Yeah, that'll Somebody be an interesting like, hurdle. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting because otherwise they'll just become a publisher. And I don't think that's really what they want to do, um, but we'll have to see. All right, we got to move on. Talking about Valve, uh, you know, it's speaking of great new hardware, Steam Deck, we're all really excited for it. Well, Valve announced Deck Verified for Steam Deck, which is an awesome feature. Uh, basically shows that games on Steam will be marked as verified, playable, unsupported, or unknown. Now, we talked about this before. Um, most games should be compatible with the Proton layer. They said most or like most Steam, uh, Steam games. But obviously, not every game is optimized for running on Proton, running on Steam Deck, running on Linux. Uh, and obviously, some are completely unplayable. Um, so playable simply means that it will require manual tuning. You might have to get in there, mess with the settings, mess with the controls, uh, maybe the graphics settings and changing some of those. But everything should work in the playable scenario. Verified is obviously the best. Um, I think I think more than unsupported, we're probably going to see a lot of unknowns. I think that's going to come up a lot. A lot of uh, indies. Simply because, yeah, a lot of indies, maybe even some big games that are older big games, uh, you know, um, you know, maybe something like Arkham City, like who knows if that's actually going to be verified to be supported, but maybe it'll work. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like an old AAA game I have in my Steam library. Um, you know, Matt, do you think this is a good feature uh, for Steam Deck to have? I love this feature. This is a fantastic feature. I know they, in, in the video that they were showing, the main page that you go on is going to be, I think it's deck verified, or is that what, that's what the system is called. Yep, yep. So on, on your Steam page, on your Steam deck, your main page is only going to be showing you verified games. And then you can go to other pages that are going to show you additional games, like the playable ones where you'll have to mess with things a little bit. I kind of hope it just doesn't even show unsupported things, which they were saying is largely going to be like VR games because that just won't be able to, to run on Steam yeah. Deck. But I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling they'll still show them just because you 
you know, you can still purchase it. <laughs> for yeah, your- it might sound like you can't play this on this con. Like you can probably purchase, but it's just like not applicable for this console or something or whatever you will say. And you can like put in your library, right? But a lot of people who are buying Steam Deck or I think the target here is like people who might already have PCs that are looking to play on the go or something or even like use it as like a like a streaming from your remote Steam streaming thing from your PC. So they're probably like, hey, you can still buy it. You can, you can still buy it. Right. You know, you're in the in the in the family here. This is a fantastic feature, though. I mean, this is exactly what I would want if I was getting this because I don't want mm-hmm. there to be any question about whether or not I can play a game on this yep. new piece of hardware running these older games. Like, I don't want there to be any question. Like, I, I want to mm-hmm. know exactly what I'm getting when I'm going into it. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of verified games. I'm sure they're going to make sure that the catalog is massive. Yeah, I, from what I've heard, it's not like horrendously difficult for them to do this verified stuff. I think a lot of it's like layer, a lot of it's automatic in some of the back back-end layers because of the systems they built in the proton and everything uh it's taken a long time to get that but pretty exciting to think about um but also yeah it, it legitimizes it as a real console i think which is pretty cool i think uh you know when you buy an xbox you buy a playstation you buy a nintendo switch now this is changing because i think you know as we get these better games and we have different tiers of the systems there's a pro version there's a not pro version the games work on pc they work on all yeah i think we're getting less like specific ports and so i, I think now this is changing a bit but, you know, when you buy a game for a console, you think this is just going to work. It's not like PC. You have to get in, fiddle with your settings. You have to get in, see if what, what you can run it on. Do you have to, like, turn off anti-aliasing? This is stuff that, like, you know, if you want to do that on the Steam Deck, that exists. But it's nice to imagine you could just load up a game and that game will just, like, start and run and be a consistent, you know, 30 FPS and just work. Uh, on your Steam Deck, which is cool, because and again, we're not seeing this on Switch. You know, we're getting a lot of games that have low frame rates. We're not seeing this on other stuff, but it's cool. It's cool that uh, they're focusing on that experience and then letting you go outside the box if you don't want to. That's a very powerful feature of the Steam Deck. Yeah, I love it. I, that's that's the best part about console gaming is that you just, for the most part, you know you're getting a pretty optimized product, and and if not, then then it is a big deal usually. Because if it doesn't work for you, it's probably not working for everyone because right. you all have identical hardware, right? So right. they're going to have to go in and fix that. Um, whereas otherwise, if it's on PC, they're like, get a better PC, get the fuck out of here. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's not a problem. Um, all right, moving on to our final story of the day. The PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X slash S, they got to change that name, versions for The Witcher 3 were rated for Europe. This likely means that we'll see some new info soon and that the game itself might not be far off pretty exciting so we're getting our uh, our remaster or not a remaster i guess like our next gen um update for the witcher 3 hopefully coming soon are you excited will you uh, will you buy the witcher 3 again matt are you gonna do it i think see that bloody baron and in, in beautiful uh 4k ultra hd i could be wrong and, and i could be thinking of something else right now but i think that the ps5 patch is free if you have the ps4 version I think you're right, actually. I'm, which I'm is funny. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Which is awesome. And yeah, I will awesome. absolutely be playing The Witcher 3 on uh, PS5 if, if that is the case. I'm excited for this. And I'm pretty sure they did say that we would hear something before the end of the year. And so this sounds like they're kind of ramping up for that announcement pretty soon here. So this could be on a, on another replay episode in, within the next couple of weeks. Perfect. We'd love to see it. Matt, do you have any predictions of when we're going to see this? So we can, uh, if, if you're right, we can put it into uh, a clip later. <laughs> an <laughs> announcement? When we're going to see yeah. it? Um, yeah. All right, let me look here. I think we're going to get an announcement on November 23rd. 
That sounds so right. Although, isn't that Thanksgiving or no? <laughs> That's the week of Thanksgiving, yeah. Okay. All right. But, it, but they're let's Polish. See. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're Polish. All right. Well, you know, they can still be thankful, Matt. All right. Well, that's good to know. Uh, hopefully, that's something we'll be thankful for. Is a beautiful Witcher 3 next-gen update announcement on the 23rd of November, which, by the way, is World of Warcraft's anniversary date. And November 23rd, 2004 was uh, the date I, I logged in for the first time on retail. 17 years what ago. A- 17 years ago uh i have been playing that game uh more than half my life it is uh depressing all right (laughs) moving on to a couple more things before we head out of here for the day thank you so much for listening by the way everyone out there but before you go we just have a couple little secrets to tell you first off if you're listening to this on a podcast app if you don't mind just opening up your phone opening up your tablet opening up your computer really really quickly takes 10 seconds and just give us a five star rating on apple Podcasts or a thumbs up like rating wherever you can on whatever podcast app you listen on spotify pocket cast any of that kind of stuff it means so much to us and it takes you like five seconds and uh it just makes our whole week so that's really awesome we would love for you to do that also if you want to leave a review comment anywhere really really appreciate that too uh we, we're reading them out on on show when we get them because it's really really exciting to hear from people uh also by the way if you like what you're listening to we have a whole website goodnightgroups.com uh where we have a podcast blogs reviews we have oh matt you just did your far cry 6 review which just came out uh yesterday which is yep. really really awesome so make sure you go on youtube goodnight grooves on youtube check that out we have a really great review i totally forgot to mention that at the top of the show um which was very very good we're, we're just pumping these things out now we have three but still it's pumping them out i say and uh also if you want to get uh, some of our content maybe a little bit earlier including game groups they're all-encompassing gaming podcast uh or if you want to get some shout outs or some or some become part of the community we have a patreon patreon.com slash goodnight groups we have a one dollar three dollar and five dollar tier and that three dollar tier gets you early access to game groups our all-encompassing gaming podcast on friday instead of sunday which is really awesome you can listen to it cruising into the weekend matt do you have anything else to say before we uh, head out of here for this beautiful day and we, we leave everyone until Friday? I was just thinking about how if Xbox did have a VR system or a VR headset, they would give it the absolute stupidest name. <laughs> like, I don't even know how that would work <laughs> VR into the... It would be bad. I agree. I think it'd be like Xbox Series V slash R. Just call it like XVR. That'd be cool. That would be so cool. Um, so guarantee that would never call it that. Exactly. Uh, all right. That's going to be it for GG Replay for uh, Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. We will be back on Friday. No Matt. He is out of town on Friday. So it'll be me and Mike uh, kicking it in for some lovely nerd chat. We'll probably talk about Spider-Man. When don't we? Uh, we'll see everyone on Friday. Have a great rest of your week. Groofs.